Welcome back to the KPO Podcast. I'm your host, Jagisha. This week on the podcast, I have best-selling author, Rachel Hang, and we are going to be talking about her latest novel, The Great Reclamation. The Great Reclamation was named a most anticipated book of 2023 by Oprah Daily, Bustle, and Electric Literature. It's a sweeping novel set against a changing Singapore about one boy's unique gifts and the childhood love that will complicate the fate of his community and country. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. It's lovely to be here. To start off, tell us about the book. Now, I know this book is considered the most anticipated book of 2023 by several different groups. So tell us about it. Yeah, so the book, um, it opens in 1941 Singapore, and we're following a young boy named Lee Aboon growing up in a fishing village on the southeastern coast of Singapore. Um, And one day when he's out fishing with his father and his brother, they come across an enormous landmass that is not meant to be there. So they come across this mysterious island, um, and slowly they discover that there are these uh, islands that appear and disappear, um, and that changes the fortunes of the fishing community that he lives in. And then the book goes on to follow Abun's life for the next 20 years as Singapore undergoes a transformation of its own, dealing with um, the Japanese occupation in World War II, and then the fight for independence from British colonialism that comes after. So a lot going on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so what inspired the book? Yeah, so I, um, you know, I'm from Singapore, I grew up in Singapore, and I think, you know, the Singapore that most maybe Americans would be familiar with today is the one that you see in movies, right, that's very urbanized, very modern, filled Mm -hmm. with skyscrapers, um, highways, and um, that was the Singapore I, I, I lived in, and but I would hear my mother and other relatives, older relatives like my aunt, so my grandmother talk about their their time growing up in Singapore and it was completely different so my mother grew up in you know a wooden shop house they didn't have running water they didn't have a proper ceiling it would flood whenever they rained Um, they had relatives who lived in more rural areas of the island amongst like rubber plantations and you know they had outdoor outhouses um, and the island just wasn't as modern and as urbanized at all you know as compared Mm -hmm. to today Um, and so it felt like a totally different world and what was so mind-boggling to me was that it took place not very long ago at all. That's we're talking about a span of decades, right? Like 20, 30 years. Um, And my mother would walk around and say, oh, you know, this is where we used to live, but I can't recognize it anymore. It looks completely different. Like the roads have all changed. So I don't even know where it would have been anymore. And just to think about what it must have been like to see your home change so drastically, so quickly. Um, mm-hmm. And when, you know, all of the, those physical markers of memory have vanished. So I think that that idea preoccupied me for, for a long time. So I wanted to write a book that was like set in that time period and have these characters go through that drastic change. Mm-hmm. And your main character, Abun, he's... It's a coming of age story for him and also almost like a coming of age story, like a a parallel to the island's coming of age in a way. Mm -hmm. So could you talk, give us a little more deeper look at Abun? Yeah, so Abun, when we meet him, you know, he's a little boy who he's, you know, he's destined to be a fisherman, like all the members of his family, but he's afraid of the sea. And so that poses difficulties from day one we see, we kind of see the the transformations that are taking place through his eyes as the eyes of, you know, a, a young boy who doesn't fully understand, like, what it means for a country to be at war, what it means for a community not to agree on, you know, what is happening to them. Um, and so 
I don't want to give any spoilers about what happens. So I'm just yeah, yeah, no spoilers. <laughs> how to say that. Um, but you know, and then we we see it is a coming of age for Abun um, as he goes through all of this political turmoil. Uh, but also, it, it's it's the story of um, his childhood love, right, with his neighbor Siot Mei. So this spirited young girl that he meets in school who has very strong political convictions because of her parents who have left Singapore to go fight the Japanese in in China. Um, And she's essentially orphaned. She lives with her uncle in the same village. Um, And his coming of age is kind of part, that love story is a very big part of his coming of age because he comes to understand who he is and the choices that he wants to make in life, what he believes in through the lens of how it relates to her, as I think we so often do, right? Coming of age often involves like defining ourselves in with respect to our community or the people that we love around us. Um, mm-hmm. And so we see Abun go through all of those different uh, conflicts and challenges because, you know, what how his family reacts to what's going on, how Siok May reacts to what's going on. Um, nobody agrees, right? And he's sort of mm-hmm. torn between them and has to decide for himself, like, okay, who is it I want to be? Like, what do I believe in this newly changing world? Yeah, absolutely. And you definitely, yeah, you get a real sense of his his struggle as to sort of find himself and sort of find his place, I think, is, is what he's looking for, is like, where do I belong? And Yeah, yeah. totally. So how much research did you have to do? Because I feel like this was probably a lot of research and <laughs> looking at the history and probably even physics of land, you know, yes. having land and sand. Mm-hmm. And- <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, I think I did like a year of research before even starting to write. So just reading, going into the archives, looking at like newspaper clippings, government documents, um, old photographs, which were really cool. Um, the Singapore archives have a lot of oral history interviews that you can listen to. So that was amazing. So we got to like, just hear, you know, people talk about what it was like to live in like the 40s, 50s, 60s. Um, and then once I had all that information, um, and as you say, also physics, right. And like geography, um, mm-hmm. I actually spoke to a geography professor at the National University of Singapore who talked to me about this like land reclamation, um, and like the mangrove swamps that used to be on the coast actually that were destroyed, mm-hmm. um, because of the reclamation project. Um, But once I had all that information, then figuring out how to bring it into the form of a story, right? Mm -hmm. Because we're not reading a history textbook and it is fiction. And ultimately what we're interested in is the characters and their journeys and what it felt like to live in that time rather than like what the facts were of, you know, that history. Um, So in a way, doing all the research and then forgetting about it before I could even start writing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I could... Yeah, I was just, I think there was a section where I was reading about how they were doing the calculations for sand and, and, and they were short on sand and couldn't figure out how, like where were they going to get the yeah. sand. And I was mm-hmm. fascinated. I've been fascinated by the whole concept of like, how do you add land and how is it yeah. so build so huge, you know, buildings on top? Totally, totally. And I would see, I mean, it's something that I think all Singaporean students, like children, you learn about it in school because it's such a big part of the country's history. So Singapore... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's tiny, right? It's like a, an island half the size of New York City. I think a little more than half the size of New York City. And since independence in 1960, um, in the 1960s, it's actually grown, up, I think, 25% in landmass wow. over the past, you know, 60 years, which is just, you know, completely, it's so strange to think about. 
Um, and so land reclamation is a big, big part of the country's identity and like actual existence, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and we learn we learn about it in school, like how they put the polders into the ground, like how they put the like metal bees, and then they firm up the land by like building, putting trees on it. So you like have this like plantation of trees mm-hmm. and to firm the soil, and then you mm-hmm. cut down the trees at some point, and then you can build on it. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I just learned something new. No idea. (laughs) So if you know, for example, the the Crazy Rich Asians Hotel, you know, the luxury hotel with like the three towers and the boat on top, that's built on reclaimed land that was reclaimed as part of the Great Reclamation Project. Um, And when I was a kid, like we would drive past and it would just be trees because that used to be swamp. So they were still in the like firming up the land phase. And then one day I think we drove past and there were no more trees. And then there was this like enormous construction site and they started to build like this massive hotel on it. So we saw the, you know, the like the whole process from beginning to end. So how does the, so you're saying you're seeing all these changes. How does the average person, what do they think about these, these changes, especially adding more land and everything? Mm-hmm. I think so we we see that in the book because we have the perspectives of different characters like not just Abun but also the adults so we get his mother's perspective his father's perspective um, you know the other members of the community and I think they're divided right so some of them you know see the opportunities that these changes bring they're like oh we're going to have more public housing more schools more roads a better quality of life for people and others see it as a threat and you know a disruption of their way of life that you're you know physically changing the coast but you're also changing the way people live because these are fishing people who like live by the sea and now suddenly mm-hmm. you're saying oh the sea is going to be like several kilometers away from them like how are we going to get how are we going to bring our boats to the water and that was a real concern um, for the fishing communities like on the coast of Singapore when that happened. Yeah I could see that so yeah again uh, a division and mm-hmm. you know trying to figure out where do you belong. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious now the idea for the government or the government's idea was to modernize Singapore and and make it a world power mm-hmm. but why add land to the to do that? Just, I mean, is it just because of the small oh, size? It's because of the small size. Because, I mean, I, Singapore is, it has, I think the population today is 6 million. Mm-hmm. And so it's a very, very densely populated, you know, mm-hmm. very kind of small. It's just very, there's nowhere to build. And, you know, you tend to, like, I grew up in a tiny apartment that's like, you know, 40 stories high. And mm-hmm. um, so I think the addition of land was just seen as like necessary for development. You're saying that you grew up uh, hearing stories from your mother. Now, do you have a favorite story that your mother told you? Yeah, absolutely. So thank you for asking that question. Um, in the book, there is a scene where Xiaomei and Abun are playing in the trees and they have yeah. the rubber seats where they're like rubbing it against the bricks or the, the, the ground or concrete. And then they like burn each other with the seeds because they get hot because it's rubber, mm-hmm. right? Um, that story was one of my mother's stories. So she told me that she used to do that when she was a kid um, growing up because she had these relatives who lived close to rubber plantations uh, in a more rural part of Singapore and they would take the bus out to go see their relatives. And she always said like, oh, and it felt like so far away. You know, it was like hours away. It couldn't have been that far because Singapore is very small. Um, and she's like, and it was so much fun. Like we would go and we would be able to like run in the forest and like play in the trees and like play in the mud. And we would find these like rubber seeds and, you know, like burn each other's skin with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't know, I love that story because it just feels like such a, I don't know, like such a, free kind of existence like this yeah and that mm-hmm. feeling of like being a young child and just like being able to like roam freely in in the forest which you know didn't exist when I was a kid like there mm-hmm. was no there were no more places to to kind of run around like that anymore yeah yeah now did your mom keep any seeds does she still have any 
I've never seen one, so I don't oh. think so. <laughs> Sadly. So I know that one of the questions you were trying to answer with your book was the understanding of home. So what do you what is your understanding of home? My understanding of home, I think to me, because I grew up in a Singapore that, you know, it didn't change as drastically in my lifetime, but it did change massively. And I think if you talk to any Singaporean, young or old, they will speak to this. Um, especially since now I live, you know, in, in the US and I go back, I can't go back that often. So I go back sometimes every few years. And every time I go back, something is different. Like it looks different. The roads have changed. The place where I used to live is no longer there. Um, and so that that constant development and that constant, you know, erasure of the past is still happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think as a Singaporean, you you have this very fraught relationship with home because we usually think of home as you know like a place that you can go to or that you can see that there is there are these like physical markers that are familiar um Mm -hmm. but what does it mean when that's no longer there and so Mm -hmm. I think for me it has become more about people that home is more you know it's where the people you love are um and it's about people it's about culture, shared experiences, shared memories, especially when you don't have that like physical manifestation of home anymore. Yeah, yeah, I have to agree. Yeah. So yeah, because you don't have those markers that mark home, like something about home to me has always been it doesn't change. Like it's, yeah, it's always kind of the same because it's you're going back to it. And it sort of has that sort of uh, sameness to it that totally. Yeah. So you don't get that. But yeah, I think you're right. Now it's about people. And for me, it's also food. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, it is that's, food. Yeah, definitely eating. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So for someone coming to visit Singapore for the first time, where would you recommend they go? Oh, I think they should go to the, I mean, the hawker centers for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not just the like touristy hawker centers that you see in the movies, because uh, mm-hmm it's very overpriced and the food isn't as good. But mm-hmm. if you try to like talk to any local person, they will have very strong opinions on where you should go and what you should eat. And they will yeah. probably take volunteer to take you as well. Um, <laughs> so definitely try to go to the hawker centers. Okay. Um, Singapore actually still has some um, nature preserves or some places where you can still see like the old mangrove swamps, which are incredible. Mm-hmm. So Sungai Bulo is one of them. Um, if you go out to Pulau Ubin, which is a small island off the coast of Singapore, there are um, you can like bike around the island and you can see a lot of like the old rainforest and even some of the old like villages are still there the way they used to be. Um, and just like very beautiful. Um, I don't think it's marshland, but it's essentially like the tide goes out and you can see mm-hmm. all the like plants and all the biodiversity of the area. So that's like a protected uh, zone that you can still visit. Um, so there are still places of great natural beauty in Singapore. You just have to kind of seek them out and know where they are. And then, of course, yeah, the food, as I mentioned, definitely mm-hmm. the food. Yeah, Singapore is on my list of countries that I hope to visit in my lifetime. It's my bucket list. <laughs> it's one of my bucket lists. <laughs> it's a long flight, so, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, flight to India is pretty long, too, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So what do you hope readers take away from your book? I think when in writing it, what I hoped to do was um, to bring to life um, this kind of this old Singapore that that existed not very long ago that um, has almost entirely vanished by now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess I hope that readers get to experience that and get to, you know, 
think about those characters who live during those people because they are real, you know, people who live during that time, but also to think about what is being erased today in the name of some greater good or progress or, you know, some exigencies or necessities, you know, what, what are we losing today? Um, yeah, that's going to be built over and that in, in 30 years, you're going to look back and say like, oh, there's like no, no trace of that anymore. Mm -hmm. And also to think about, you know, what that means for, yeah, home for the people who live there and for yourself. And if you live there, you know, if your community is changing. Mm -hmm. Right. Absolutely. Now, is there, is it, are they still continuing to add more land? So yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So Singapore, yeah. so in a few years, Singapore will still continue to look different. Totally. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what's next? Are you working on another project or have you started something new? Uh, well, I will be going on tour for this book. So in the near future, <laughs> we'll be um, just talking about the Great Reclamation. But I have started a new book as well um, that's on hold right now as I do all of this. Uh, but it is also set in Singapore, this time in the 19th century. And it's still very early, so I can't say that much about it. But okay. also another project that involves lots of um, research and kind of has to do with like environmental history and the colonial administration in Singapore. Okay. Nice. You know, it's, it's, I'm glad that the, that you're doing these stories because I feel like I knew nothing about Singapore. And so it is so great to learn more that there's all this rich history and yeah. all this amazing, just, you know, information out there that people don't get to see. So mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Or you kind of see the like glossy version of it, right? The like, right. what, what, what happened after the fact, like, oh, this major metropolis, but, you know, kind of understanding how, how, we got there, um, that it wasn't, you know, a straightforward or yeah, that it was this long convoluted journey. And that continues to be created today because Singapore is such a young country, right? It only gained independence in the sixties. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And, you know, I hadn't known about the land, you know, uh, the addition of the the land. That was something I just, I learned from your book, like totally just hadn't learned it at all. So yeah, yeah. yeah I learned a lot. <laughs> just oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think as a writer, it's just very striking to think about land reclamation because it's like, it's such a, it's such a visceral um, kind of not even, it's not even a metaphor because it's literal. It's happening mm -hmm. before your hours, right? It feels like magic or it feels like something that's surreal or something that you came up with for a book, but then it's, literal and it actually happens and the sheer scale of that um the way like land can be made from nothing like made from sea i think there's something just very evocative and like surreal and interesting about it but also strange and destabilizing um and so that's i think that's where the kind of heart of the book first started yeah yeah and it is i mean to this day like it is amazing human marvel like this whole idea yeah. the human brain can can't came up with it yeah but also scary right yes. you're like oh what is the cost of that and like right. should we be making such big changes and yes. like you know and the irony of like rising sea levels and like oh that's probably all gonna be swallowed at some point you know mm -hmm. all of this development will come to naught and it's probably the development that caused rising sea levels to begin with so they're like all the dramatic irony of that uh, which I didn't manage to get to in this book, but maybe maybe a future project. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So last question we usually ask our authors is, what are you reading or what do you recommend we read? What am I reading right now? So right, right now, I'll, I'll do both then. Right now I'm reading um, Molly Dekta's new book, The Absolutes, mm -hmm. and it's a really beautifully written, a very luminous love story about two young people that set in between 
Turin and New York City. And it's just, it's incredible prose. It's very, um, very vivid, very kind of absorbing. And it's about obsession and the way like obsession shapes the lives of, you know, a, a young adult. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also the setting is just amazing. The way she writes about New York and Turin, it's just like very, uh, I, I loved it. It made me want to go to Italy right away. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's coming out, I think, this fall. That's new. Um, and then one book that I, I always recommend, especially if you enjoy, you know, epic, epic historical novels um, is Edward P. Jones's The Known World, which was a big inspiration for this book. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, you know, it spans, um, has like multiple characters, multiple points of view. Um, and it's just a very, uh, feels like a, yeah, it, it won the Pulitzer Prize, I think in 2004, maybe don't, I don't quote me on that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's a masterpiece and just like a beautiful work of historical fiction. Okay, two good recommendations. Yeah, the absolutes on my list. So I will definitely have to check that out. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Rachel. And listeners, The Great Reclamation is available right here at the Kirkwood Public Library and where amazing epic books are sold. Thank you. Thank you so much. That's our show this week. Thank you for listening. Stay tuned next week when we speak to journalist Alex Marr about her novel, 70 times 7. I'm going to leave you with a quote about home. Home is where our story begins. Until next time.